Well, church, how many brought your Bible this morning? Or you got your Bible on your phone? Why don't you stand up? Let's pick our Bibles up. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Yeah! The Word of God is so exciting. It's so powerful. This is so powerful. You know, every time I open my Bible and I start to read, it's like things jump off the page that are so right in season for what God wants to speak to my life, to us as a church. Philippians 3, verse 12, Paul the Apostle was speaking to the church of Philippi, and he said this. He said, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I don't think any of us in this room are perfect in man's eyes. We are the righteousness of God, but Paul said we got to press on. We can't look behind us. We can't change the past, but we can press on. Someone say press on. He said, I'm going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And he goes on to say, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. Everybody say onward. He said, beckoning us onward to Jesus. Did you know Jesus is in front of us? Jesus is behind us. He's beside us. He's in front of us. But he's calling us. He leads us. We serve a progressive God. We serve an onward God. We don't serve a God who's moving us backwards. We serve a God who's moving us onwards. Everybody say onwards. And then he goes on to say this. Paul says, I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. The, wor the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Well, this morning, we're going to jump into this series onward to prepare us for Word Explosion. We're going to say our victory confession on the count of three. This is a declaration of faith to let God speak to us this morning. Let's say it together. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. God, we thank you for victory. Lord, we thank you that today we walk out refreshed, revived, encouraged, renewed, and Lord, speak to us. Let us walk out today with a pep in our step. Lord, let us walk out today with greater strength, greater courage. You said those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. God, I thank you that today, we're going to soar out of this place. God, I thank you that our spirits will be lifted up. Our hope will be lifted up. Our eyes, our heads would be lifted up to you where our help comes from. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Give someone a high five. Say, I'm glad you're in church today. Come on, I'm glad you came with me to church. Onward. Everything moves. Motion is part of of life. Anything that's living is moving. It's in motion. Your age, whether you like it or not, is moving onward. Your hair, for some of us in this room, is moving onward. Life moves onward. It is a progress. It's a progression. There is, there is motion happening. Anything that's breathing is in motion. Planes, trains, automobiles, 99% of the time are moving onward. You don't see planes moving backwards. Very rarely do you see a car backing up, but most of the time it's moving onwards. But the one thing that you decide whether or not it will move onwards or backwards, sidewards or forwards, downwards or upwards, the one thing is your life. It's possible to age onward, but mature backwards. 
It's possible to age onward, but to spiritually move backwards. It's possible to age onward, but uh, with responsibility, move backwards. It's possible to lose ground with your attitude, your perspective, your outlook on life, your uh, growth in your spiritual walk with God. Paul the Apostle was talking to this church. He was saying, guys, God is beckoning us Onward. What's the definition of onward? The definition is continuing in a forward direction. It's moving ahead. It's advancing in time or space. It's making progress. Everybody say progress. How many of you are expecting to make some progress this year? Maybe in your relationships, in your health, in your finances, in your walk with God. You don't want to move backwards. You want onward movement. It's making progress. It's becoming more successful. It's going further rather than coming to an end or a halt. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take a rest. Rest is good. Sabbath is good. But rest should be onward movement. When we rest, we should not stop what God's called us to do. We should allow it to catapult us into greater energy into the direction that God's called us to go. But there's things in life that try to stop your onward movement. In fact, me and Ashley, we've experienced onward movement. There was a time when I was single and then I got married. Onward movement. Change happens when you move onward. There was a time where we were married with no kids. And now we have kids. Onward movement. Change is inevitable. It will come. There was a time where I used to get more sleep. But with kids, onward movement. You just have to keep moving on. There was a time where there's all kinds of things that change along the seasons of life. Change is not bad. Sometimes change is uncomfortable. Sometimes change scares us. Sometimes we're not sure what change will happen. But the truth is, if we change in the right direction and we're moving onward, we will always be in the place God wants us to be, doing the thing God wants us to do. This is a year for onward movement in your life, onward movement. There's things, though, that try to come against onward movement. There's things that try to distract you from moving onward. I remember going to a football game and I was watching this team play and I was sitting there with uh, my brother and my parents and this running back, every time he got the ball, which I'm excited that football season starts up this month. Come on. Every time he got the ball, he would move this way, then he would move this way. He'd kind of come back here, move back over here. This dude was running like at least 80 yards but he made no forward gain. He was running from side to side. In fact, he ran sideward. Every time he'd get, get the ball, he would run sidewards a lot, and then he'd start moving backwards, and then he would fall downwards. <laughs> sidewards, backwards, downwards. Everybody say sidewards. It is a word. I know some of y'all are like, is that even a word? <laughs> backwards, downwards. The three directions that try to steal your onward movement are sideward, backward, and downward. Sideward spirit. The spirit of sideward. It's a distraction from moving onward. Sideward is like the running back moving side to side, spending a lot of energy but making no progress. Spinning your wheels but making no accomplishments. Really getting nothing done. What is the spirit of sidewards that we see in the Word of God? It's a spirit of bitterness. It's a spirit of offense. It's a spirit of looking to the side and comparing your race with somebody else's race. God has a lane for you, a race for you to run, that he's equipped and empowered you to run. But if you get caught looking at your neighbor and what they're doing and how they're running and the lane that they have and the car that they drive and the house that they own and the job that they have, you're going to miss your assignment. 
Sideward is a distraction from onward. We compare and we complain. We look to the side and we wish I was there. I wish I was doing that. The Israelites got caught in a sideward spirit during the time when they left Egypt and got into the wilderness. They began to look side to side and begin to complain, compare. Think about what they didn't have. Think about what they wish they had. Uh, start feeling frustrated with each other. In fact, one guy in Numbers chapter 16 named Korah, he started a rebellion against Moses. He, he started stirring up sides. He said, would you take my side against Moses' side? Anytime you start to take sides apart from God, you start losing ground. You start losing territory. You start losing the onward motion. And as they took sides... They ended up losing that group of people that tried to come against that sideward spirit. It's, it's a spirit of complaining. It's a spirit of division. It's a spirit of strife, a spirit of dishonor. There was a well-known organization in the 80s that had uh, so much progress. They were doing so much. It was in North America, and uh, they were doing so many great things, a Christian organization. But something happened in the 90s. Two of the top leaders got into an argument, started getting in strife, and as the leaders go, so goes the rest of the company. The employees took on the same posture of strife and division. And what happened was they started taking sides. It split in two. Today, it's non-existent. Because what happened was as they took sides, they lost steam, they lost passion, eventually they lost purpose, and now they're non-existent. It's important for your family, your marriage, your life, your friendships, this church, that you don't get caught in a sideward spirit. Amen. While we were in Dominican Republic, I was sitting down with these pastors, and they begin to get into a sideward spirit. They begin to strive with each other, argue, started pointing fingers, the blame game, it's a sideward spirit. The blame game, it steals you from onward movement. It gets you focused right here instead of moving this way. As they started to strive, me and my mom were sitting there listening to it, and we just were kind of frustrated. We said, hey, guys, stop, stop. We're here to reach a harvest. There's people we're called to reach. We can't waste time uh, looking to the side and the left and the right, seeing whose fault it is. Let's go reach the people. Praise God. They snapped out of it. We had a breakthrough. Those pastors are doing good. But it was a moment where we had to take authority over the spirit of sidewards. And sometimes in your life, there is that spirit that tries to distract you from the onward movement that God's called for you, for your marriage, your family. If a family gets caught in a sideward spirit, it's possible for them to lose the relationships God's called them to walk onward with. The next spirit that tries to attack the spirit of onward is a spirit of backwards. A spirit of backwards. The devil wants to remind you of what's behind you to control what's in front of you. Paul the Apostle said, I can't fix the past. I'm not perfect. I, I have a bad past, but I'm moving on. I'm pressing onward. God's beckoning me forward. I've got to advance. The spirit of backward keeps you looking back. What happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? She turned into a pillar of salt. She was consumed with backwards thinking. I miss the good old days. I miss where I used to live. I miss the taste of the drinks I used to drink. I miss this, the smell of the stuff I used to smoke. I used, you know, whatever it is that you look backwards on. Praise God, you've been delivered from some of that stuff. And if you haven't been, today's your day to be delivered. Don't get caught living in backwards. Don't get caught thinking backwards. It's holding you back from moving onwards. So many times I've watched as I've gone on missions trips and people would come back from a great encounter with God or youth camp or a revival like Word Explosion. 
They'd come back from that moment, and then they would see people that were in the backwards life, the past, the rearview mirror, and they'd say, now hold on, you smoked a joint with me. Come on, we got drunk together. We did this stuff. I know you're not really saved. I know you're not really on fire. And what would happen is they'd start moving backwards, backsliding from the onward movement God had in their life. Backward thinking is not just about pulling back into sin. It could be pulling you back into something that was good back then that God now has something new for you that's in front of you. There's a lot of people who look back and say, man, I just wish we could go back. The Israelites got caught into a backward spirit. Sideward is one step towards backward. And so as they looked to the side, they started looking back. We miss Egypt. We miss being in the control of the Egyptians and getting whipped by them and the genocide and the lower class mindset. Moses was trying to figure out, why do you miss Egypt? There's nothing good back there. But for them, all they could think about was not being in the wilderness. Sometimes when you're moving onward, it's not always easy. And during the onward movement, when it's difficult, don't get caught looking back at an old season that God's called you to move forward from. The Israelites got caught looking back and they missed the promised land. The next generation ended up taking it. Now, I remember being in, in Europe on a mission trip when I was a teenager with my family and we walked through these beautiful cathedrals in Poland and Czechoslovakia and Russia and different areas of Europe and these cathedrals were huge millions of dollars spent on these cathedrals but there were no service times posted outside of the cathedral there was no one inside the cathedral praying there was no pastor or staff walking around tending to the, the cares and the needs of people it was empty empty cathedrals huge empty cathedrals and I asked the question to my parents what happened what happened? I'll never forget what they said. They said the, the, the world changed and the church didn't. They misunderstood that the gospel is a message, not a method. They got caught on an old style and as the world began to shift, see this is a non-negotiable. This will never change. This, we're always going to preach the word of God. This is, this is yesterday, today, tomorrow. It's the same. This, this thing still changes people's lives. As long as you come to victory, this is our compass. This is our true north. But the method of getting it across is open to change. If it doesn't change, you miss the harvest and eventually become non-existent. And oftentimes what happened, they, my parents begin to describe what happened in Europe is they started pushing people out instead of bringing people in. And eventually they died and no one was left to fill the pews of those cathedrals. They got stuck in backwards thinking. It's so important that we continue to embrace that the Holy Spirit, we serve an onward God. We wouldn't be in this room today if we didn't have founders that had an onward spirit. An onward, we wouldn't have air conditioning and electricity in this room today if we didn't have founders that had an onward. Did you know there was a time in the church, in the body of Christ, where they did not want electricity in the building? There was a time in the church where the TV was of the devil. Thank God for men like Oral Roberts that saw the TV as an evangelistic tool and said, I'm going to use what other people have said is the devil to reach the world. And millions of people were impacted because one person decided to change a method. You don't change the message, but was willing to change the method. There was a time when people in the church thought the internet was bad and of the devil. 
But praise God, we've got online church, thousands of people. We've got an online app. We've got podcasts. We've got YouTube videos going out. The gospel is being preached. We have more opportunities today, more methods to get the gospel out than any other time in the history of the world. And if we're afraid of the new methods, we're going to miss the harvest that God has for our lives and your life. God has new strategies. You can't use an old strategy in a new day and age. Praise God for what he did in the 50s. But God has something even greater in 2015. You say, Paul, don't you watch the news? Don't you see there's bad stuff happening? Yeah, I do. Of course I do. I saw the Planned Parenthood videos. I was frustrated as you were. I saw this stuff on the news. I know what's happening. I've read the prophetic words about what could happen this year in September and October. Yet I'm filled with the spirit of faith. I believe and therefore I speak. I can't be a backwards pastor, a backwards preacher. I'm an onward pastor. I say that God has great things in store for his church, for those who will stand in faith. I'm not naive. I've just decided it takes more courage to have faith than it does to be a doubter. Doubters are a dime a dozen. Anybody can be a doubter. It takes courage to be a faith person. It takes courage to say, I know things are bad, but my spirit is filled with hope. My spirit is filled with faith. Onward, Christian soldiers. Onward, Christian brothers. Onward, Christian sisters. Don't halt. Don't stand back. Don't shrink down. Don't move to the side. Move onward. Jesus said, don't say four months and then the harvest will come. I say, wake up. The harvest is now. We're living in an unprecedented time for revival in this nation. America will see revival before Jesus returns. I declare it. Tulsa will see revival. San Francisco will see revival. Los Angeles, the streets of San Diego, the streets of Chicago, the streets of Washington, D.C., on the steps of the White House, revival will come. I speak it by faith. Revival in New York City, in Miami, in New New Orleans, in Lafayette, in Dallas, Texas, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're not slowing down. We're just getting started. See, I don't get angry at the world. I get angry at the devil. And I say, Satan, you picked a fight with the wrong church. We're about to turn up the heat. Buckle your seatbelt. We're about to get started on a very intense ride. We're going to win the loss. We're going to reach the world. Right now, this church is ministering in 97 nations with 1,600 plus Bible schools. And when I hear that number, I think, praise God, that's great. But I think there's more that God's called us to do. We haven't yet tapped into the online ability of starting Bible schools that we could feed into every city and every nation in Africa, every city and every nation of the Middle East, every city in the, in, the, in the nation of India, millions of people. I believe right now Joel Osteen reaches six million people a week through his online ministry. I believe the day is coming for this church where we will reach six million plus people a week through our online podcast internet ministry, through the radio, through the television. The best days for the church are not behind us. They're in front of us. Thousands of people in this city who are unchurched, who are far from God, are going to come to God because this church rises up with the spirit of faith and says, even though the world's getting darker, the church must shine brighter. We're not looking backwards. We're moving onwards. Someone say onwards. 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 
Praise God, the day came when the church embraced drums on the stage, <laughs> guitars on the stage. The day, you know, there was a time in the church in America where there was only one race of people in a building. I look across the room today, I see black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, all races. We are unified. I don't want to go back. We are unified. We're moving into a great time of revival. Unified. Generationally, interracially, unified. Working together to bring revival to Tulsa and to the cities and nations of the world. Don't look back. The last spirit that attacks an onward heart is a spirit of downwards. So many people walk into church with their head down. Hurt, discouraged, disappointed with life. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost your spouse. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you lost a good friend. Maybe you lost a job. Something bad has happened. And in the midst of the bad things that have happened, you've allowed your head to drop down. There's a story about a woman in 1 Samuel chapter 4 who was giving birth to her child. And in the moment of giving birth to her child, someone came and shared with her some very negative news. They came and said, your father-in-law has broken his neck and has died. Your husband has just been killed in war. The Ark of the Covenant has just been captured by enemies. The Ark was the, was the ministry that they kept in Israel, the presence of God. Band, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. When she heard all of this negative news, the ark is gone. Her husband is gone. Her father-in-law is gone. She named the baby Ichabod that was coming out of her. Ichabod. It means the glory has departed. The good days are over. It's all doom and gloom from here. Ichabod, the spirit of Ichabod, it's a downward spirit. It's a spiraling down. Depressed. Defeated. Discouraged. You know what Paul said about that spirit? He said, I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Though sorrows may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Some of you have been hurt. You've been discouraged. That's life. We can't get around the, the pain of life. Life brings things that are not easy. When I lost my father, I felt a spirit of downward trying to just pull my head down, discouraged. I remember talking to a friend of mine who lost her husband. Just that spirit of downward trying to pull her spirit, trying to pull her emotions, pull her thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think downwards, you look downwards, you live downwards. How do you break that spirit off? You have to let the Word of God saturate your spirit. You have to let the words of Jesus saturate your life. You have to let the presence of God get inside you. You got to let the good swallow up the bad. Don't let the negative swallow up the positive. There's way more things to praise God about than there is to complain about. What happens is we start to focus on negative things. We start talking about it, thinking about it. 
always dwelling on it, it pulls us down, it pulls us back, pulls us to the side, and we lose movement. Instead of gaining territory, we become territorial. We get in fights that are unproductive. We lose the battle. The enemy, more than ever, is trying to keep the church at a halt, a stagnant place. But as for me and my house, we're going to move onward. We're going to serve the Lord. Onward in our hope. Onward in our worship. Onward in our giving. Onward in our prayer. Onward in our Bible reading. Onward in our fellowship. Onward in our outreach. Onward in our evangelism. Onward, upward, forward, progress. You've got to make the decision. You're the one that decides the motion of your life. You decide if the motion is backwards, sidewards, downwards, or onwards. Today, I want to challenge you to take control of the motion that your life is headed. To make that decision, Lord, I'm surrendering the depression. I'm surrendering the defeat, the discouragement. I'm surrendering the offense, the comparison, the complaining. I'm surrendering the backward thinking, the moving into the old me. God, I'm a new creation. I'm surrendering that I've got to move onward. I'm an onward preacher, an onward pa- I can't move backwards. Today, you've got to decide that for yourself. Paul the Apostle was saying, I'm not perfect, I'm not an expert, but one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to fix my eyes in what's in front of me. Don't let the present name the future. Don't let the present circumstances name the future calling on your life. Don't let your history determine your destiny. You've got to decide today, I'm moving onward. There was a pastor in Baltimore who was being interviewed right when all the riots were breaking out this year during that difficult time for their city. Yesterday on Wall Street Journal, on Fox News, CNN, Baltimore was ranked one of the highest crime spikes uh, in any city this year. The last 43 years, the crime has spiked this summer more than ever. But this pastor had a different outlook. He had an onward mindset. He said something different that the, the interviewer was so confused in why he said it. He was still bewildered. I want you to just see what he said. After he said that, I'm going to take a time for us to pray because I believe God wants to stir something up in you today. But listen to what this pastor said. This is uh, 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 Pastor Dante Hickman. Uh, Pastor, if I could chat with you for just a moment. Uh, This is your facility here. Uh, What have you lost here tonight? 60 units of senior housing, apartments, affordable housing, as well as a a transformation center with a myriad of human and health services such as workforce development, uh, life coaching and behavioral counseling, and mortgage lending services. Uh, it sounds to me like this is exactly what Baltimore needs in many places. If you look over this, this rubble, what, 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 do you, what do you see? I see revival. I see the opportunity to rebuild from the ashes. I see a church that's been resilient for over 80 years and for the past eight years seeking to put this $16 million investment in the community, I see us now coming back even bigger and better than before. Looks like you've had a long week and a very hard day today. A very hard day today, but I'm optimistic to come into East Baltimore and change it for the better. Two and a half miles north of here, things are much, much worse, if you can believe that. Is, is Baltimore going, is it going to get worse? Is it going to spiral? I, I'm a man of faith, and I believe that we, every negative is just our opportunity to fight back with another positive. Come on, somebody. Come on, I see revival. I want you to say this with me. I see revival. I see revival. I see revival. 
The pastor said, I see revival. The interviewer is confused. He's looking at flames. He's looking at chaos. He's looking at destruction. He's looking at all kinds of negative things happening in the world. And yet the pastor rises up. And he says, I see a resilient church that's ready to rebuild. I see us growing bigger and better than ever before. I see us taking a negative and turning it into a positive. I see revival. Church, I see revival. I see revival. I see it. I see it. You've got to see it in here before it happens out there. You've got to see it in here before it... You've got to see revival in your marriage. You've got to see revival in your family. You've got to see revival in your business. You've got to see revival in your finance. You've got to see a, a renewal. You've got to see things growing, increasing more onward before it happens out there. It has to happen in here. You say, Paul, what's this all about? Why do we have to move onward? Because if we don't, we're going to miss the destiny God has for us. You cannot stay in a backwards thinking life. You cannot stay in a sidewards thinking life. You cannot live downwards. You will miss the calling, the favor, the opportunities, the blessings. In the midst of chaos lies great opportunity for the leader that rises up and says, let's move onward. Onward and upward. Our eyes are on Jesus. JFK stood in front of the television screens and he said, we will send a man to the moon. He had no clue how he was going to send a man to the moon. He just said it. He had an onward speech. He went back to his office the next day, sat down with his uh, 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 core team of leaders. They said, you just said we're going to send a man to the moon. He said, yeah, how are we going to do that? He said, we got to figure out how. Well, why did you say it? He said, I had to say it. We got to move onward. We got to move onward. For the next 10 years, they figured it out. The day came where they send someone... I'm telling you, there's things God's called you to do. And if you get stuck in the past, if you get stuck looking down, you're going to miss the future of what God... I want you to stand to your feet this morning, right now. God has onward movement, onward motion for you, for your family, for your health, your finances, your dreams, your goals. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Whatever's come against you, the Lord will restore whatever the locust has eaten. The Lord will give you double for the trouble that you've walked through. Double for the difficulty. Where you see chaos, God says, I see an opportunity. I see revival. I see revival. Say it again. I see revival. Right now, God's stirring something in your heart. He's stirring you to shake off any spirit of lethargic complacency. Shake off any spirit that's calling you backwards, that's pulling you back into sin, that's pulling your head back into the good old days. The good old days were good, but God says, I've got great days in front of you. The best days are not behind you. It's okay to miss Mayberry. Sometimes I miss Mayberry too. I remember sitting with my dad, talking about the Andy Griffith show. We miss Mayberry. It's okay, but you know what? You can't live in Mayberry. You gotta live in what God's called you to do in 2015. You gotta do the thing. Someone asked Billy Graham right now in his age, they said, aren't you a little concerned about where our nation is headed? Aren't you a little concerned about the church, what's going on? Aren't you a little depressed about the situation that we're seeing and all the things that are happening? You know what Billy Graham said? I gotta read this to you because it was so powerful. Billy Graham, one of, one of the great revivalists in our time, this was his response when the interviewer asked him, aren't you a little scared? He said this, 
There is a real move among young people today that we've never seen before ever in America. There's a search. They're searching for something to anchor themselves in. Some philosophy, some faith. I see revival. Billy Graham was saying, I'm telling you, I know there's crazy stuff going on, but this is the greatest time for revival in our nation. Don't let the bad eat the good that's happened in your life. Don't let the negative outweigh the positive. God has something this year for you.